1: Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed.
2: From the center of the galaxy, this is a Force Center podcast feed. I'm Cad Napson. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. And uh, we have to report that Jennifer <laughs> Landa is not on the news show this week. Uh, we wanted to make sure we got her Star Wars thoughts and her life thoughts and her thoughts, all the thoughts on the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. So instead of doing the news with her this week because of recording schedule constraints and conflicts, uh, we recorded a uh, episode six of the Obi-Wan Kenobi report. Uh, coming out this week uh, with jennifer so because of that joseph it's you and i on the news can we carry this burden
3: (laughs) we're gonna have to uh i I will miss jennifer uh helping us carry the news uh but we already recorded that kenobi report spoilers and it was a really great conversation really great uh to get jennifer's uh, insights and thoughts on kenobi so i'm looking forward to releasing that one and talking
2: news now Absolutely. We are going to talk about some news, including some news that was just kind of, as always, dropping as we were recording. We'll uh, <laughs> update you on that. This is uh, uh, breaking news from a long time ago. And before we get to it, I want to remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrials.com slash force Over 180,000 titles to choose from. Or your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Uh, a little bit later, we we'll have our four center recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us. Uh, Joseph, uh, life adventures. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That could be dark and gloomy. But <laughs> did you have any <laughs> Star Wars find its way into your life? Oh, you
3: know, I did have some life adventures. There's a lot of hard things going on in the world. Uh, some some personal stuff that is is just life, but it's a challenge. But it's definitely there. Uh, and then this is one of the re- really weird weeks for like, Hey, Star Wars adventures. Yeah. <laughs> we, yeah. Kenobi came out and, and we did our review and then we, uh, did the great stream with, uh, Alex from Star Wars explained. And then we did a Q and a on, on Friday. And it was like, Oh, so much, so much Star Wars. But then I really thought like, okay, uh, you know, not recording what was my Star Wars adventure. And honestly it came down to two things, uh, hope and action figures.
2: <laughs> mm, there you go.
3: <laughs> A little bit tied together for me, uh, but uh, I'll, I'll say the the fun thing the the action figures um, they had announced they're they're doing all these exclusives and they had announced that there's a a, a cool exclusive uh, on Amazon of uh, meat cut and Obi one with the blue shirt three and three quarter vintage. It's a three-pack, so then he also comes with Tika the Jawa, so you can make him barter, and then a, a, a purge trooper, which is like, oh, cool, cool-looking oh, yeah. trooper. Great, I want those. Uh, and I noticed it, and I saw it, and I was like, okay, I got a plan uh, the next day. And I even had some uh, friends who were sure to DM me going, you you, you know this is here, right? Uh, which I very, very much appreciated. And uh, I'm normally really good at converting the times, and I think they had announced East Coast time. Um mm. And I just, I had uh, a, a brain uh, dysfunction, a brain failure about the time. And I was like, oh, man, it, it opened at this time. And I opened it, and it looked like it was all sold out. Mm-hmm. And it was, like, mm-hmm. unavailable. I was like, ah, I should have remembered. I should have set an alarm. And then I uh, did some more work. And then about an hour later, I was like, maybe they added some more. And I opened it up, and it was like, go ahead and buy. And I was like, oh, I did the time wrong. <laughs> <laughs> And I smashed that purchase button, and it uh, made me very happy. So there you go a little uh, a little uh, three act story of uh, wanting something, failing to get it, but then getting it. Um, So the action figures always do bring me joy. I I joke about them, but they are like a a big way that I I connect to what the uh, stories mean to me. And they are just they're just joyful. Um, Connect me to my entire journey with Star Wars. Uh, So action figures. And then the simple thing with hope is just it it is such an important part of the Star Wars story. Obviously, the recent Obi-Wan Kenobi show, I think, is very much about finding hope in dark times and celebrating little victories on the path. And I ended up thinking about that a lot this weekend because there are a lot of challenges in the world, a lot of challenges in life. And I need that hope. I need it right now. Mm -hmm. I need to listen to Star Wars. So on a, my very real Star Wars adventure was just like, <laughs> uh, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi TV show. You're my only hope uh, to, to keep my head up. And, it, and that did help a lot. So my Star Wars adventure this week, honestly, was just being very grateful for the messages of Star Wars, the message of this recent uh, Kenobi television show of just really needing to choose hope and to even though times are rough and mm. look uh, bad to stay attached to that hope in everything from big world challenges to uh, personal life stuff to having a positive attitude <laughs> about Star mm-hmm. Wars everything you know my Star Wars adventure uh this week was uh help me obi-wan kenobi television show uh you're my only yeah. hope that was that was the vibe lots of other stories in Star Wars but obviously that's the one on my mind now so it it yeah. was it was good it was really really good to to be able to to star wars to help uh help during difficult times
2: yeah yeah difficult times indeed and and um uh, you know uh, we talked a little bit about the live show friday night and, and a lot of people upset a lot of passions uh um running wild a lot of anger a lot of sadness a lot of hurt, and and those affect you as a human being uh in, in involved in this uh in this um, World we have, and so that that uh, definitely was uh, dominant in, in my weekend as as well. Uh, we'll highlight now. We always highlight at the end of the show, but I, I Joseph, I think it's good to say that we, we at Four Center uh, made a. a- a decision to support the GoFundMe begun by a lot of uh, great Star Wars uh, podcasters and commentators and pundits called What Choice? Star Wars Fans for Abortion Access. You can find it at GoFundMe.com slash F slash what dash choice. We'll highlight it again at the end of the show, but I wanted to highlight it here. That's what uh, was one of the things that we decided to do as a, as, as a show um, to 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 do our part. And, and 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 you talk often, Joseph, and it's one of the themes of um, – Kenobi, the small victories matter or small actions. And uh, that was something I was uh, proud to stand behind here. As always, uh, yeah, if that doesn't drive uh, with you, we understand. Uh, but this is something that uh, we are doing and we are doing with our show. So I kind of, I want to say felt good, Joseph. Nothing, you know, nothing about this weekend felt good, but it just felt like, all right. Uh, forward. Let's find a way forward. And that, that was something I was uh, happy to be a part of this weekend. And, and, um, I love that Star Wars inspires in that way. It's a valuable lesson. I mean, to even called this what choice to invoke Jyn Erso's. Uh speech is uh is uh just makes me happy that star wars is in my life it means so much to me you know
3: yeah absolutely and, and for me there is so there are so many levels of star wars and we always talk about it from uh, the silly to sort of you know debating about does this make sense in canon to the uh, really good, cool action and so many ways to express your fandom from cosplay to action figures to any anything so many ways to express your fandom but for a lot of it at the end of the day I think that a lot of us come back to Star Wars because there is this depth uh, and to see that it it truly does matter and uh, yeah the all the quotes the way that the GoFundMe What choice is constructed with Jin's quotes are really a powerful reminder that the ideas of Star Wars really truly matter. I thought it was really well constructed. And uh, I was very, very happy to support it and promote it.
2: Yeah. And, and, you know, and the other, you got to take care of yourself too. All of you out there listening, take care of yourself. I don't care who you are. I don't care uh, where you fall on things. You know, we definitely, uh, you know, promote mental health here and, and taking care of yourself. So I did that too, Joseph. And one of the Star Wars ways I did that is I had a while ago, we talked about it. I think a question came in or, you know, if we would choose characters from it, and I finally played, I downloaded and I have that Star Wars Heroes game on, on my phone. Ooh. And I just did one of those things where I just sat on my couch and I held my phone to my face and I played until I drooled, you know, where I'm like, <laughs> All right, I guess it's time to go make dinner. Um, and it's fun. And it's kind of like a lot of those phone games it gets a little repetitive. You, know, you go here, you go there, you go there. But it's just fun to see uh, my little team together, which is like, it's weird. It's Clone Wars, Anakin, New Hope, Kenobi. Uh, sequel trilogy, no, uh, Force Awakens, Ray, Farm Boy Luke. It's just this weird all-star <laughs> team of heroes that I got going through the galaxy, uh, fighting, uh, you know, uh, Tuscan Raiders, Stormtroopers, Emperor's Royal Guards. I be- I beat Tarkin in a fight, and you know what? I um, again, it's not the, these phone the phone games. They're they're not the most dynamic games at times. But if you just want to turn your mind off and then just See, like, look at that. I got I got Ray and Farm Boy Luke in a fight together. That's awesome. Like <laughs> it, it's a fun way just to kind of turn off uh turn off your brain and enjoy Star Wars. So Star Wars found me in that time
3: too. Oh, that is very, very good. Yeah. I think that's a perfect example of it. Can be there for us at the greatest depth, and then it can be there for it, sounds like you needed some escapism and you needed farm boy Luke to take it to Tarkin.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it was great. It's great. He's got his uh that long rifle he has that he never uses, right? He just pulls it from uh, from the speeder when, when they're looking for uh, R2. And you actually see it in action. You actually get to fire
3: it. Oh, wow. Like that. Wow. Yeah. I, that was a birthday gift from Baru. I bet.
2: <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It just showed up. I, but I wrapped it for you. Here you go. I don't know who left it for you. Yeah. <laughs> That is great. That Desert, is, yeah. Yeah. Great Desert Avengers. Santa came by. Yeah. Desert so Santa. there you go. <laughs> Desert Santa. Uh, that's our life at Star Wars Adventures right now. Uh, we press on. We press on into Star Wars news. That we set up top as we were getting set up to record this episode. Uh, either the news drops too late or it drops way late. And after we release the episode, there is an interview going around and people are probably already talking about it by the time we release this episode uh, on uh, the direct, the direct.com. It's an interview with Stuart Beatty, one of the credited uh, writers and uh, story by guys for the Kenobi series. Of course, Stuart Beatty, long, long been I don't dare say suspected to have uh, written the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that's some um, um, i Synced up some old dots from the movie news business I was in for a while, going, Oh, yeah, that's right. That's what I had heard. Uh, and Joseph, you and I have been talking about it, tracking the writing credits with, uh, you know, uh, you got uh, Hussein Amini, Joe B. Harold, um, uh, other writers as well. Um, not to go down that side of that conversation again, but it, the interview is great and there's some insights. Especially some stuff if you're looking towards season two or a potential season two of Kenobi. Some, I don't know, at this point, I mean, call it confirmation, but just reinforcing the idea that, yep, some film stuff was planned with Kenobi. Uh, The solo uh, struggle at the box office, whatever you want to call all that, uh, did kind of affect the future of that film. And uh, Stuart Beatty had nothing to do uh, with the show uh, other than uh, some of his uh, ideas and words. Uh, which is why he gets some credit there as well. We've tracked that a bit, Joseph, there, uh, and there's more to dive in here on this, but we just want to acknowledge it, yes?
3: Yeah, yeah, no, it was a really great uh, interview. Uh, Ken found it as we were going over our notes before uh, we got started, and so we both did a quick read-through, so not doing a full deep dive into it because, honestly, a lot of it is confirmation of things. We talked about, you had your sources, uh, our our analysis of the writing credits. The writing credits tell a story uh, that Mm -hmm. he is credited, uh, with uh, some story by, uh, in, particularly in the uh, beginning chapters and the end chapters, which really spoke to, uh, yes, he wrote an early version of this overall story. So uh, that got confirmed. The Solo, um, the idea that the Kenobi movie was a go, but then because of Solo, it backed off. Uh, that is also confirmation. I think the most interesting uh, news in there is the idea that there was a, a trilogy planned and some of Stuart Beatty's thoughts on how, uh, the trilogy might go, and what o- Obi Wan would need to face as he uh, came out of his trauma, and then what is his next challenge to face, which is a lot of stuff about uh, maybe Qui Gon is preparing him uh, for the future. Which uh, mm-hmm. there's a part of me is like, oh, let's dive into that. But we're going, to, we already have, and we're going to again. <laughs> I think it's gonna, you know, should there be a Kenobi season two, is going to be one of the conversations that everyone in the mm-hmm. Star Wars talking community is going to have a lot. And the, what seems like it's right there for season two is. Kenobi's training. So I think we're going to be talking about that a lot more in the future.
2: Yeah, we will indeed. We will indeed. And it's so weird. I still, this is a great little interview. Some I love the Qui-Gon stuff. I am still, I flip-flop on whether I actually want a season two or more content. Do I want in the end? Yes. You know, I'm going to sit down and watch it, but where, where I'm like, am I, am I really satisfied? Do I want more? I flip-flop every hour, Joseph. In this interview, <laughs> might have flip-flopped me again. I won't reveal which way. I which understand. Way. I'm,
3: I'm flip-flopping on Kenobi. It's so beautiful. Uh, <laughs> the message of letting go at the end is so like, yes, and, and I should let go of Obi-Wan. And then like but I don't want to. There's more story to be told.
2: Yes, 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 yes. I, some, it sounds like Palpatine's talking to us. It sounds like you like Kenobi. <laughs> yes, yes. I do, Palpatine. I, I choose him. Do. I choose, choose, choose him. All right, some other Star Wars news. This is, you know, I, I think this is pretty big, and I didn't see it discussed in a lot of places, but also the internet was, a I don't know, Weird wild battleground, even more than normal this Mm -hmm. weekend. So, I might have missed some of this. This, uh, I am reading from a story from the Washington Post. Uh, John Williams had, uh, he was honored at the recent Kennedy Center uh, Awards. Um, I I guess I could say one of my pals, former Four Center guest, Adam Witt, was there. Uh, He does some work again i don't know what i consider now but he does some work and has edited some things uh, around uh, performances that williams does uh, on the road and he actually sent me and our pal jennifer murrow uh, a, a picture he was sitting close to john williams and kathleen kennedy it was like a once-in-a-lifetime <laughs> thing and he was like i was living through him the night but uh, great thing uh so um i think i was focusing on that and adam's pictures and then missed this kind of news joseph but uh John Williams is not done by any means at 90. The recent Kennedy center honoree is still writing concert music, releasing albums. He and Yo-Yo Ma released one recently, but while speaking with the Washington post, the maestro said his score for Indiana Jones five, still untitled at this point, of course will be his last. Now, Obviously, yeah, I don't, 90. He's still going strong, Joseph. He's still playing concerts. He's still doing the stuff. He's still doing the thing. But this wasn't surprising in a way. But what comes to our hearts when we hear that? What comes to your mind when that uh, idea of Williams uh, retiring come, uh, it, it hits your head?
3: Um, there is, of course, some sadness uh, is with a lot of uh, these moments that we have to go through as as generations pass. There's like, uh, you know, when we were talking about who should voice this, who should play that is like, yes, uh, my first choice is uh, <laughs> live forever. Uh, <laughs> that's not realistic. So there is some sadness. But honestly, my overwhelming uh, emotional reaction is deserved. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you for everything you have given. And at 90, you do whatever you want, man. Um, <laughs> I, I really do feel like, you know, he has, uh, it's so wonderful to see somebody uh, so talented, um, very humble and thoughtful about it, as always in this interview, have created and crafted so much. And I almost feel like this is a man who's, whose career is a giant Sunday. And I feel like he's put about seven cherries on the top, right? Like, yeah. He, he could have stepped back from the Skywalker saga, right? Uh, he, mm-hmm, he could have mm-hmm. done not done the sequel trilogy. But, you know, we know the great story of uh, he's really moved by the character Ray and he wanted to do all that music. And then he's yeah. the one who raises his hand is like, Solo, can't do the whole movie, but I want to do a theme. Picking up the phone, you know, in his late yeah, 80s going, yeah. you got a Kenobi? I got to do the theme for that. Like, he has uh, mm-hmm. continued to give out of, you know, artistic desire to do so. And for him to have this movie and say, but this one, whole scores are a lot. and this one is the last one I want to do. Deserved. Let him rest. <laughs> and, and it's a yeah. and it's a great final one, right? To be working with uh, Spielberg oh, yeah. and in Harrison Ford. And I don't know. There's something also like. I'd be happy if this was a just a random uh, movie that I knew nothing about and never heard of, you know? Uh, right. But right. Indiana Jones, that's one of the uh, many feathers in his cap, right? So it's fun to think like, okay, that's going to be stirring. That will have the classic score that will have variations on the classic score, but then what else will be new? What in there will be the new classic that you can't predict yet. And that's yeah. exciting to still have that gift coming along.
2: Yeah. Well said. Um, you, know, you don't always uh, you need to speak for me, but you kind of did there in a lot of <laughs> great ways. Um, even helped me work through stuff. Because, yeah, th- my gut reaction is always like, no, 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 no. Especially if there's more Star Wars or anything like that. Um, and and I, I now to really look at it as uh, to be thankful as a, as a movie fan or a Star Wars fan, and definitely me, an Indiana Jones fan, that he gets to call the shot here. Mm-hmm. And he gets to say, uh, we're out, uh, you know, God willing, we still got to get to that finish line there. You know, 90 is, uh, 90 up there, but he's still going so strong. And it's in- inspirational by the way, to have seen him in concert, you know, when he was in his, uh, young, late eighties is when <laughs> I saw him and to see him just still going strong. It is inspirational as uh, age becomes real for all of us there. So to be able to call your shot and walk off the field, uh, to your head held high is, uh, is great. It's, it's, it's awesome. And, and it makes me even more thankful. Dare I say, this might ruffle feathers. It makes me more thankful for the Disney era of Star Wars Mm. that he was able to come back and that we were able to get so many great themes like you're talking about, so many great pieces of Star Wars music that we got to experience and that he always, um, you know, felt... uh, a little bit of duty, a little bit of uh, pride, a little bit of, uh, you know, almost being protective of these new characters and the olds. Can I, can I write a theme for Benny? And and, and we got that for the Kenobi <laughs> series, but also, Oh my gosh, this new character Ray is amazing. And, and I want to help, um, craft, uh, 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 her theme, her music and, and I'm downright protective of her. That's, that's inspirational as well. Uh, talking about generational change in star Wars. So, Hey, um, what I mean, yeah, he's still going strong, yes But uh, this is, I think, uh, uh, the right way to go out And I'm thankful he gets to do that
3: Yeah, and and we've both talked about it so much. Ray's theme is is one of my absolute uh, favorites. All the variations on it in Rise of Skywalker. I I think the Kenobi theme is going to become classic. I think people are not hearing it as much because it's new, um, but it it is really powerful, and I I can't wait to hear it pop up more places. Uh, Yeah, I I saw him live in his late 80s, and I got tickets for the Hollywood Bowl. He's still still doing concerts, so uh, amazing, amazing.
2: Amazing. And yet the, uh, um, the Kenobi series soundtrack was uh, finally released uh, digitally. So I was listening to it this morning over notes and it was the first time I really got to spend a lot of time with the Kenobi theme. And it is great. I, I hadn't, it hadn't jumped out to me as much during the series. Cause I just, I just don't take the shows in like that. I don't listen to music first. I know uh, my friend, Mark Riley, he hears the music before anything sometimes. Um, but man, it, it's a, it's a, it's a Williams home run and he's walking off the field, tipping his cap kits. Yeah. Um, there was I, a, oh, yeah, sorry, I, sorry. Yeah. No, ahead. I just want
3: to throw out one thing. Cause it, it happened during so much Star Wars stuff going on that I hadn't had a chance to mention it on the podcast that I forgot. Like I, I like to try to have like kind of, um, moments to to you know symbolize and wrap up an adventure and when you and i were back at our hotel for star wars celebration i had my lineup of all of my action figures that i had bought set up Mm. on the tv stand and i wanted some like moment before we left to sort of just like uh uh, capture the experience and i saw that they had released so you could listen to just the theme and i just sat there Mm. listening to the obi-wan kenobi theme staring at my action figures
2: that's great
3: and it made me appreciate the theme so much so uh, a great John Williams adventure there.
2: Love that. And there was a time not too long ago that hearing Star Wars music by someone else was, uh, I don't know. Well, hard to fathom for us fans there, but Kevin Kiner first, we got a shout out Kevin Kiner for the Clone Wars work. And uh, Michael Giacchino helped pave the way for other composers and us as fans to accept Star Wars music <laughs> without John Williams attached. And look, Yes, you can, you can point to the realities of age or him making a choice not to do it, but, you know, it's the same with like James Earl Jones and Vader, even though there's other great Vader voices out there, Scott Lawrence comes to mind. Uh, you, you just grow up associating those names with it, and it's hard to accept that things change. It really is. It's why Star Wars lessons of generational change and growth are important. Um, so much great music has, has uh, come since then. Um, But temperature check, Joseph, how are we feeling about the state of Star Wars music right now, especially as John Williams looks to uh, head off into the composing sunset?
3: Uh, I feel great about it, honestly. I mean, I feel like we've had a a while now uh, with other people adding to the legacy that Williams created. Um, I I love the Williams music and I love that Kenobi made the choice to definitely have some some very new things and a new composer, but to stay in that general um, Skywalker saga mood. Because it matched what was happening in the show. I don't, mm. so I think there are times to really emulate uh, the style, uh, the general orchestral style of Williams, uh, but I don't think the music should be stuck in the past. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I really love the solo score. That's one of my very favorites, obviously with Williams theme, but John Powell doing a great job. Um, I love uh, the Fett song in particular
1: mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> with and without mm-hmm. lyrics. Uh, they just, they, they capture the mood of those shows in that feeling of that specific character, that time. Uh, so there's a lot of examples that I can go to of star Wars music that I'm really enjoying right now. Uh, but then uh, Obi-Wan got me really excited because it is kind of the first time that we're seeing variety we're seeing the star wars buffet on disney Mm -hmm. plus right in the contrast between the mando score and boba fett score which are great for that world and the obi-wan score which is great for that world i'm really excited about the uh, future to think like okay the music's all got to be star wars but it's got to be the right music for the right show so it makes me Mm-hmm. just thinking about the difference between the Mando score and the Obi-Wan score gets me excited for Andor and Acolyte and Ahsoka. And, you know, will Ludwig mm-hmm. Goranson get to lean into the force even more? Or will Kevin Kiner get to shine in live action? Like I'm excited about the possibilities.
2: Oh, that's a great way, great way to look at it. And yeah, I think, I think um Rogue One is, is a great example of something where, you know, again, Kiner, kind of, kind of, Gets through it first, and I think now the appreciation for his music and, and Clone Wars and Rebels is is very high, especially as uh, those generations move forward in the conversation. Where they're like, "Who's John Williams? This guy, <laughs> give me drums <laughs> in my opening theme." Uh, and at the time, it's it's harder harder to accept. I remember the first time I heard the Clone Wars opening theme, I was like, "No, no, thank you, sir." Um, and, and, and it's changed, and that's because Williams is there, and, and you just expect that Williams, Star Wars, Star Wars music, it needs to be John Williams, so they really did open that door, and the Rogue One soundtrack um, specifically is one that I was like, I guess it's good, I didn't, nothing grabbed me, and, and I've told the story before, but for maybe newer listeners, just one day having, um, your father would be proud, play on my like, I, I, my I, I iPhone shuffle, it pops up, and I'm in the background going, or it's in the background, and I'm, I stop it, I go, wow, what is this? It sounds like Star Wars, I, I'm not picking it up It sounds like Star Wars, am I missing it And I, it must be, uh, maybe it's Last Jedi, I don't know or, Well, Last Jedi, I've been out yet. maybe it's Force Awakens And I go over, and and it's the music from Rogue One Something that I had been on shows saying I don't know, wasn't that good for me And I, I just, you, it just It changed my um, idea on how to take In the Star Wars music, and I think that's That's why, you, you know, you say you're Excited for the future, I, I, I don't know, I would have Fought against the Mando music Ten years ago <laughs> But it's I'm open to it. now I think Natalie Hill is going to get more and more appreciation and credit for her work as that soundtrack lives on. Yeah, uh, separate from the show where you can hear it. So, anyways, I, yeah, I'm wide open to it, uh, and more excited for new things to come.
3: Yeah, no, I'm getting that soundtrack because sometimes that uh, you know I get caught up in in the story, and sometimes I hear the music, and sometimes I appreciate it more when I listen to the soundtrack. So I'm really yep. looking forward to listening to that that whole soundtrack.
2: Yeah, recommend shit. She's got some uh, the the, the Alderon Alaya stuff's got some real uh, John pal solo, that flying uh, music vibe mm. like that I, I knew was there, but hadn't really picked up on as much. But now that I can listen to just the track. Um, but hey, stop the presses, Joseph. Stop the presses. <laughs> and this is the thing specifically that I'm like, did I miss this? Again, world a little crazy right now. Uh, online a little crazy right now. So maybe I missed this being a news story. But during the interview, Williams, he has got a hot scoop. He said that he was making Indy 5 his last film because Harrison Ford was doing that as well. Huh? (laughs) I mean, I I don't remember that, Joe. Do you remember Harrison say that?
3: No, I do not remember seeing that plastered all over social media. (laughs)
2: Right. Look, at the moment, he says, William says, at the moment, I'm working at Indiana Jones 5, which Harrison Ford, who's quite a bit younger than I uh, I am, uh, I think has announced will be his last film. So I thought if Harrison can do it, then perhaps I can also. (laughs) So. This is goes beyond Star Wars uh, and Indiana Jones, just uh, being pop culture kids growing up for, uh, you know, all these years now. I mean, again, I'll say it now. Harrison's earned the right to do whatever he wants, fly around the country in his little plane. He already does that. <laughs> this this shook me a little bit, Joseph. This shook me. What, what do you think?
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it, it's always shaking when you're uh, at an age where the people you grew up with is your, your yes. heroes, your stars are like, well, Time for me to respectfully take a bow and the curtain to close on my public life. You're like, but how mm. you're Harrison Ford, you know, you're like oxygen and cheese. You exist always yes. like, you know, you how, how can that how can just a constant? No. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's cool if you get older. But, you know, I, I think yeah. they're, they're, that's the challenge that we have as audiences um, to not mm. obviously uh, creators like Williams and, and, you know, Harrison Ford, who's really like a, a public face. Right. Um, yeah. It is easy to treat them as living legends, but every living legend is a human being and (laughs) needing to take that step back and go, yeah, no. Um, Boy, if Harrison does come out and publicly say this, and it is true, uh, exact same as John Williams, utterly earned, right? Um, If Harrison Ford is ready to be done with films, I applaud him. Uh, I -hmm. will uh, double down on my seven cherries on the Sunday. He's come back Mm -hmm. to do Star Wars. Yeah. (laughs) Blade Runner indiana jones are we gonna hold him hostage until he does witness to uh he's <laughs> he's given us he, he had a rich body uh, of work yeah. and then had this you know kind of uh, renaissance where he engaged in revisiting some of his classic roles uh yeah. and, and i think if he's like and now i'm gonna you know gently walk away uh so be it
2: yeah um Earned indeed, earned indeed, and yeah. To be clear, to my research, research, Harrison Ford has not said this publicly. So I would love if he's like calling up Johnny right now. Hey, what did you do that for? I'm not, I'm not done. Or uh, hey. it was
3: fucking Johnny. Sorry, I almost swore there.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, um, but yeah, that's it. I mean, it, it's again, uh, he can, he, he can walk away. It it, 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 does best, and that's why it hit me as a Star Wars fan. Uh, it hit me as just a, as a an aging human. It's, it's. I always say it's like when you're. If you're a sports fan and like that favorite rookie you have on your team, and you're like, yeah, it's my favorite new player. And then suddenly he's not only retired, but he's like managing. And you're like, those—that's what old people do. What does that make me? Because he, yeah, uh, it, it just, yeah, it's, it's, I, it's, I got to face my own mortality, like uh, Obi Wan Kenobi uh, in the desert. There, so uh, we'll see. We'll keep you updated obviously both of these gentlemen have a large body of work to celebrate uh, forever and ever. Amen. And we will. So uh, we'll keep you updated, but I thought it was hilarious. It just seems like we're Johnny, John, I can call him Johnny cause it's always his <laughs> early credits. I'm always, I love that if you look at the old TV shows, it's, it's Johnny Williams with the score. Um, yeah. I just love that John Williams, he's at that age where it's like, Oh, did I say that? Yeah. Okay. Anyways. Yeah, that's true. Um, I'm having fun living my life. So,
3: yeah, and it, it's okay. very. If they did have a conversation about, it, I'm thinking this is my last one, you know, you know, I agree. I, I, it's really fun to imagine that conversation, uh, and yeah. to 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 hear them, <laughs> yeah, to <laughs> uh, hear chatting them. about it. Um, final thing for me on this uh, article mm-hmm. is, you know, uh, if you uh, if you have access to Washington Post, there's a bunch of just wonderful, beautiful quotes from John Williams, uh talking about it, the, that being an artist, partic- particularly a, a musician, is spiritual, a realm that's above the mundanities of everyday uh, life. Um, Some Just really beautiful quotes and thoughts about music. So uh, I'm mm. glad that you picked this one out, Ken.
2: Great stuff. Two big names. It means so much to us. All right, we're going to take a quick break on the other side. Some more news. Look back in Star Wars history. Before that, we're going to do a Force Center Recommends, an audiobook we think you should try out on us. Joseph, what do we have this week?
3: We are continuing to recommend Leia, Princess of Alderaan by Claudia Gray after little Leia's adventures in the Obi-Wan Kenobi show. It's just a springboard to making me want to reread that book, so uh, highly recommended to read or listen.
2: Yes, check it out. Download your free audiobook today by going to audibletrial.com slash 4Center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash 4Center for your free audiobook. All right, quick break, and then aside, more news here
1: on 4Center.
2: Welcome back to Force Center, the big show, the main show, the superstar destroyer of our news fleet. We took that uh, main show fleet and divided it up into a lot of little squadrons, which is a lot of fun. We need to spend more time on the news here. Uh, Joseph, we're going to move on from our own mortality to uh, someone else who already dealt with it. Mortality, at least <laughs> as a character, Liam Neeson on his qui gone return. I was kind of waiting for this, kind of expecting it. And also wanted to see if we we're ever going to get an answer on his, his lie, his lie to try to cover <laughs> this up, which, uh, by the way, I don't care. I think that's very fun. But while speaking with The Hollywood reporter, Liam Neeson was asked about his surprise return to Star Wars' Qui-Gon Jin in Obi-Wan Kenobi. His response was pretty direct. I certainly didn't want anyone else playing Qui-Gon Jinn, and I wanted to show my respect for George and that mythical world that he created. Plus, Ewan is a pal, and I love working with him during the Phantom Menace 25 years ago. Pretty direct, Joseph. Thoughts on his uh, uh, many reasons for returning?
3: Oh, it's great to hear this uh, little quote. Uh, You know, it's a pretty short, pretty direct article. Um, Mm -hmm. I do like that the article begins by saying, Star Wars fans were floored on Wednesday when uh, Qui-Gon Jinn returned. I, were we floored? <laughs> Where are we? I feel like uh, most people, uh, you know, I think most Star Wars fans were were hoping for it, expecting it, and not believing Liam Neeson's, you know, yeah. it, kind attempts to cover it up. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I I really um I, I I really like his his reasoning, right? Um, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. he uh, that it was twofold that he has great respect for Lucas and the world. Uh, that just speaks to he talks a little bit more about having a good experience on the prequels. And that just speaks to like, yeah, no, I've always liked this character. Uh, there's never been a dark time for me. I came back to do the voice in the Clone Wars. If he's going to be there in spirit, I wanted it to actually physically be me it's all just very great and heartwarming and then anytime time that you know uh, two actors can say that they're pals in real life <laughs> that's yeah. always better than the alternative so it was fun to hear like yeah I love you and I want to
2: hang out with yeah. him yeah right you know imagine it's probably been a bit it's probably been a bit uh love that love that yeah I, and I love that it's pretty direct and I love that he you know invokes the name of George Lucas and the world he created and having uh like uh, you know just, I certainly didn't want anyone else playing quagunjin I, I, I like that. I like that kind of, um, you know, protectiveness of these characters. However, it, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's funny. We're gonna have that, a little bit more of this later. But I, I, I didn't think of, I didn't think of it till now. Well, except your son is what you could add to that sentence. <laughs> Liam. I didn't want anyone else playing Quagmire except for my son. Uh, ne- Neeson also went on to say that he always uh, enjoyed making the Phantom Menace and that he was proud of it. Joseph, this is truly the age of the Phantom Menace. Love Fest, uh, as well as the prequel eras. Uh, what is what is this continued celebration of that film and era mean to us? Because we've talked about this before, to be clear. Uh, but to even add another thing, now, now, good old Qui-Gon's showing up and saying, "Yeah, no, I, I, I like, I, I'm very proud of this film." So, uh, <laughs> what, what, what do you think?
3: Yeah, it is really nice to add it to the the love pile after you know Hayden and Ewan's uh, tour. Uh, Moses Ingram, obviously, and Deborah Chow there as well. But the on that press tour, but the focus from. Uh, Hayden and Ewan about you know looking back on the prequel experience and I love that one where Ewan gives a long thoughtful explanation of the journey and then Hayden's just like Revenge of the Sith is a phenomenal film (laughs) Mm, Uh, mm. but uh, this was moving to me because when I just read this article quickly I was like okay cool he said these nice things about George and Ewan and then he talked about this and I was like oh wait a minute they pulled an old quote um, Mm. from 2020 Uh, And I want to read it here. It it says, uh, Mm. I like the Phantom Menace, Neeson told Andy Cohen on Sirius XM channel uh, Radio Andy in 2020. And Neeson goes on, I am proud of it and proud to have been a part of it. I got to be a Jedi. I got to play with those wonderful lightsabers and stuff. It was terrific, Andy. It really was. (laughs) Uh, It was just sort of meaningful to me that it wasn't like this quote wasn't from like this moment of uh, Mm reexamination that Kenobi is causing, that this was clearly a part of a conversation. I haven't listened to this interview. I don't know uh but i don't know if this was coming from andy cohen asking did you like that or if andy cohen was like was it hard when people disliked it right right. but it does i don't know the context and i'm not claiming i do but it does come across reading just neeson's quote is like no uh, i know that people had a hard time with it but i sincerely like that movie (laughs) yeah i like making it Uh, i think it's a good movie i'm proud of it and that he was saying that in its own context not in this current you know, reexamination context that we're in right now. For me, it's just a really good reminder, uh, also to just as long as it's not hurting anyone, love what you love. Um Mm, mm -hmm. in Neeson coming out saying, I had a great time. I had a lightsaber and stuff. What's not to like?
2: (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, you know what? Yeah, great, great for pulling up the full context of that too. I, I think I had missed that part there. I love that. Um this is uh, it's interesting. Look, sometimes things, movies or shows, are just bad, right? And even an actor comes out and says, oh, "I loved it. it." Doesn't it doesn't erase that you feel it's bad? Oh, I just want to yeah, put that of out course. there and say it's clear. But I know I, there's just something powerful to me. To just just the narrative around this film and this era is so for so long been controlled by others, you know, mm-hmm. and to have the generation of fans who it reached first. Again, not everyone. We understand that. We're examples of you and I having different relationships with the film over the years. It's grown and changed. But to have that and then have the actors either like you and kind of be like, oh my, I emerged and found a different kind of love. Hayden kind of like, no, it's a great film. Revenge of <laughs> says Great Films. Stop it. Um, and have Liam Neeson come out. It just means a lot. It just means that um, again, it doesn't mean all the criticisms of it aren't valid or anything, but it, it's it's just, it's I don't know, it's fun. Even, it's like I have this feeling of when I hear like Daisy Ridley say some stuff, uh, about what she is proud of of, of ray and her journey and character it doesn't mean that you have to also find that i totally understand that but i don't know. it just means a lot and, and as this the era the prequels have been started to become really strongly celebrated the last few years very clearly uh, especially going back 2019 that the actors reemerge and reconnect with star wars has been great uh, i really hope that can eventually uh expand to include, uh, you know, Natalie Portman's thoughts or if she wants to, again, if they want to, Ahmed Best as a little bit of return, but I want even more. And yes, it's all kind of leads up to, uh, should he want to, should he be in a, a healthy space to do it? Uh, Jake Lloyd, uh, the, 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 wizard kid at the center of it all. Um, I just love that. I hope, it, I hope, I hope this doesn't end. This, uh, this prequel era love is, uh, it's just fun to, it's fun to watch, fun to be a part of and fun to see, especially for the generation. That was there at the beginning of that, you know?
3: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think uh, I really like the point that you're making about um, everybody can always choose whether they enjoy a film or not. And if you don't like Phantom Menace or you have arguments about, you know, the way it's structured is not successful or this line or scene doesn't work, great. We can all have those opinions always. I think maybe some of this is kind of extra moving to me because a lot of the dislike of the film from around me from our generation uh ken Mm -hmm. it was spoken of as though the the world had taken a vote and it was decided and it was a fact that the prequels were bad and you know i still have some friends who who speak that way and maybe that's just a a choice of a a way to speak to be more firm and declarative and it's implied Mm -hmm. that it's your opinion but for me the overall impact of this is decided. The, some floating pop culture judge has gaveled. It is bad, period. <laughs> so I feel like I've lived with that for a long time. So it's refreshing to have a lot of people go like, cool, 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 if, if people back then didn't like it. Cool if you don't like it now. But there are a lot of us that love it. And we can both yeah. have our opinions. And it, it, it's not a fact. It's not decided. <laughs> uh, yeah. The prequels are loved by many.
2: Yeah, there's some, some, I don't even know if this makes sense, but it's like, there's some, it's bigger because it's Star Wars, and I get it, and it should be, the talk around it should be, but there's so much of that, you know, from the really insane, extreme, uh, George Lucas killed my childhood type of talk to what you're talking about of the the, the gavel is uh, banged on the pop culture judge's desk and it's over, Uh, it's over, Commander, it's over, these movies suck. But there was just so much of, uh, yep, those things ruined all of this. Where it's not like, I don't know, uh, you know, what's a movie that bombed in our time? Like the adaptation of Bonfire, The Vanities comes to mind. (laughs) We all agree that was a bad movie. And it's not like, you know, one of the actors comes out and goes, oh, I liked doing that. That's a, that's, that's go, all right, cool, great. But that, that movie's in the corner. It's Star Wars. And to have, have Star Wars just be. Message being, this, these things ruin Star Wars forever. To now have that not be the narrative anymore is something that I think uh, we're celebrating as well. And I think what you're talking about, I'm just kind of adding to that idea.
3: Yeah, no, no, absolutely. I, and I mean, I, I have, you know, even made, made jokes that uh, a long time ago. Uh, Mm -hmm. From that perspective. And I'm happy to have kind of taken a step back uh, from that perspective uh, and uh, really see that they have these movies have always been loved from everyone from Liam Neeson to a kid watching Liam Neeson. These movies have always been loved.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, and there's, look, there's some podcasts years ago that, you know, I just feel I should blanket apologize to the prequel generation for, I'm, I'm sorry, I spoke on it, number one, like it was a fact and spoke on it from actually a place of dishonesty because I wasn't telling you how much I liked some of the stuff in there. I was just <laughs> trying to be a snarky podcast edge boy. Oh, uh, we all can change <laughs> and move forward uh Qui-Gon will return in the Tales of the Jedi series as I said he'll uh he being Liam Neeson will voice some of the character and as revealed at Star Wars Celebration his son will voice younger versions of Qui-Gon which we absolutely love around these parts but any hopes for Qui-Gon moments or insights in that series this is a bigger question I understand Joseph but just right now uh, in this uh news bit uh news article uh anything that pops to mind Oh,
3: yeah. No, I'm very, very excited for it. Um, I, I know we got to see a little bit of the dynamic uh, between Qui-Gon and Dooku in uh, Dooku Jedi Lost, um, but I also know that, you know, Filoni, who, who worked on these tales of the Jedi shorts, has a lot of strong thoughts about what does it mean to have this chain of teachers and mentors and, and who taught who what and who clings to what, um, you know, viewpoint on the force, on the Jedi, on, uh, fighting techniques. So I'm really curious to see like the dynamic with Qui-Gon and Dooku. Did, did Qui-Gon show a lot of curiosity? Did he, did he challenge Dooku? Was, you know, Dooku's relationship with Qui-Gon fatherly or, or was it a little bit more, you know, distant? Was it a little bit more teacher student? And I, I know we've got some of that stuff in, in Jedi Lost, uh, which I, I really want to revisit, uh, myself. Uh, but I'm I'm excited to see more of that and see you know Filoni's creative perspective on Qui Gon at that different age and in that relationship with Dooku.
2: Yeah, I think that's where my mind goes too. Just the idea that there's there's you know young Qui Gon um, at play. I mean, that's just fascinating to me and. and yeah, there's so many things around him as you know, is he is he a bit of a rebel Jedi? Is he pushed the rules? Is he a, is he an outsider, a loner, a rebel daddy? What is he? What is he? And just how he might have got to that point. And yes, there's some wonderful things already out there, but just to see it I, I want to be clear, obviously love the Star Wars books and the audio dramas are great as well, but to actually just kind of see it in animated form, to see young Qui-Gon moving about on a screen mm-hmm. in any way, shape or form is something I'm really looking forward to uh, and just seeing there and just kind of following and tracking Qui-Gon through the years and his relationship with the order, his his position and his purpose as a Jedi, prophecies, the good, the bad, the, the fearful, whatever, uh, every you react to those. That's exciting stuff. And, and part of the reason, we haven't talked too much about the Tales of the Jedi series yet, but I think it's going to be a sleeper hit, which is hard to say in Star Wars because everything is uh, greatly anticipated. Yeah, no, I'm very excited for uh, Tales of the Jedi. Tales of the Jedi, indeed. Well, that is a quick look at Star Wars news. As always, there's a lot of things out there. Rumors and more shows coming. Everyone gets a Disney Plus show. Some of those things will wait until uh, official information comes out or emerges. Uh, making it real or making it uh, false. We will find out when the time comes before we leave here today when i want to, uh, go to this week in star wars history looking ahead to star wars pass and for our week we're looking all uh, all the way to july 2nd but mm. going back to july 2nd 1976 twas a great year says ken born in that same year just a few months earlier the great publicist and also want to point out producer writer many things charles lippincott presented the first Public slideshow for Star Wars at the (laughs) Hyatt House Hotel in Los Angeles for Los Angeles' WesterCon. I do believe, I forgot to double-check, but the Hyatt House, a.k.a. the Riot House, is the hotel right next to the Comedy Store uh, featured in uh, Cameron Crowe's Almost Famous, if you're familiar with that one. That is a famous rock and roll rock and roll hotel. Um, but love that this has a place in Star Wars history. Star Wars and cons have a close history. Um, going back to the moments like these, it's part of the celebrated genius of Lippincott's promotional approach to Star Wars. He passed away in May of 2020. How key, Joseph? Was tying Star Wars to pop culture communities, if that makes sense in your mind. Basically saying we don't just have a movie to promote, we have a lifestyle to promote.
3: <laughs> I think it's just such a huge choice. I think it's a part of the success story of Star Wars, right? Instead of being cynical about is a general audience gonna buy. You know, a a guy flying around with his dog and a farm boy with a laser sword. And what is this? Who would want this? Instead of, you know, being cynical about it and going, how the hell am I going to sell this to normal people? Right. Mm -hmm. To say there is an audience uh, for this and I know where to find them. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think it's a recognized truth, right? That there was a fervent sci-fi fantasy fan base. And. Mm at that moment they didn't have much right um star trek uh, had been gone then the animated series came and then i'm sure at this time there's you know uh, rumors and whispers and hopes for the film i don't have all of the the history of the star trek the motion picture uh you know uh, i know it was in development i don't know exactly what people at westercon in in 1976 knew uh but it you know was not not materializing is what it was
0: yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> then. So knowing that there's like a, hey, you guys are here and you like shows that have gone off the air and you like comic books. And basically, you, if, if there's a dragon on the cover of a paperback, you're going to buy it because you love mm. this stuff and there isn't much of it. What if I told yeah. you <laughs> there's a new one? There's a new myth, a new lore uh, that you could get into. It's in space, but they have swords. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it It is one of those things that looks incredibly logical in retrospect, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. was uh, clever, thoughtful, imaginative uh, uh, at the time.
2: Man, you, you're almost describing when I uh, um – talk about Beatles songs. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I know it just seems like wallpaper, but it wasn't at one point. You got to understand the context band, that kind of stuff. You're so right. It's like, well, duh, but it wasn't, people weren't connecting those dots at that time. And he being one of the first, and of course, other stuff, the famous shots of he and, and Mark Hamill at uh, the San Diego Comic-Con, which was, you know, two, uh, two tables, uh, pop-up tables and a banner or something like that. Crazy to think. And, it's such a, you know, getting ahead of it. But just even beyond reading more of what Lippicott himself did with like pop partnerships with television shows at the time, including the Donnie Marie show, Richard Pryor show, just kind of going, we got something. We got to find those people. And then it makes me think, too, of uh, going to the Empires of uh, Empire Dreams doc, where, where the, uh, you know, now late but always great Alan Ladd Jr. is like, yeah, we had a nice, beautiful promotional booklet. We sent it to all these distributors of films. And ain't no one got it. No one picked up on it, but it was Lippincott going, yeah, 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 that will take care of itself. We need the fans to get it. And look what happens on opening day. Look Mm -hmm. at those famous shots at the Chinese theater. They got it. And Lippincott absolutely has his place. And final thought on this, too. And this is, I don't know, it's hard to maybe go back in time, Joseph, because it just, again, it just seems it is, it is what it is. But did, did, did we feel at the time, did you, feel, did you feel extra attached to Star Wars because it seemed like you were stepping into a larger world as a kid? The community, the fandom, the toys, the merch, you know, all of it. Did, did it feel a little extra? Uh,
3: absolutely, absolutely. I You know, I was not um, anywhere near old enough to be attending uh, WesterCon. <laughs> you know, I think uh, it, it was so smart to target those uh, those fans, cause they were going to be there on the first day. Like you're talking about, they're going to be repeat viewers. They're going to be ambassadors uh, because they were be- being given something that they didn't have enough of. Um, mm-hmm. And even though I was much younger, um, I did, I did grow up feeling that way. And, and we've talked about it recently that there what just wasn't as much um, that was just uh, otherworldly when I was growing up, I felt the real world was, kind of beige and boxy and kind of boring and and they're they're the only tv shows ever it was just like there's guys in mustaches and dark suits and they crash their identical looking cars into one another and i guess that's kind of exciting but now they're in an office talking and boy the real world seems drab and boring And, and i wouldn't have been able to articulate it when i was a kid but like that's why I loved comic books. That's why I loved Star Wars because suddenly there were colors and there was a mo- like you know uh, motion and, and lightsabers and imagination and it just it looked like the way I wanted the world to be. I wanted the world to be as exciting as a uh, Batman and Darth Vader, you know. Yeah. And, and that to me is the best way to answer your question. Yeah, I hadn't even been uh, alive long enough to be <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, bummed out by the world. Uh, but Star Wars felt like this explosion of imagination that I needed, even at an incredibly young age. And, and I knew that and that's why I always wanted to get back to it, to be in that world of imagination instead of this, you know, slightly more beige, boring real world.
2: Yeah, you know, I was done watching episodes of Fall Guy on TV. I wanted something <laughs> else. I wanted something else. You know, and, and tell you what, I, I was old enough. I did go to Los Angeles WesterCon. I got a media badge, but all that got me was access to the parking lot. So uh, I wouldn't complain about that. No, uh, beautifully uh, beautifully said. I hate to undercut it with my stupid humor, but uh, be- beautifully said there, Joseph. And. and- it's not about – it wasn't like uh, I wanted to be part of the in-crowd because, trust me, like in Star Wars for a lot of years was not the in-crowd. But mm-hmm. when, when – I've been aware of it and I've always said I was one when my parents took me and blah, blah, blah. I don't remember it and I saw the toys and all the stories we love sharing here because they're part of our, our fandom. But the, the one of seeing the Return of the Jedi trailer at a slumber party is so big for me. There's so many things because the images grabbed me. But it was – my friends already knew. And again, it wasn't just I need to be cool like my friend's. It was like, what am I missing? Because they already they were like reacting, like, "Oh my god, that's so and so, and he's back," and this and, that, and there were names I didn't understand. I just remember there was one guy that looks like a green pig. What's going on? But I just felt like there truly was a larger world there. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just a new movie had shown up. It wasn't like Flight of the Navigator. What's that? It was like <laughs> a lifestyle, a, a world, a fandom before even a, a community before I even understood what those words meant. And then yeah the toys are there the posters everything's there and and, it, and it's and it's made to order and you could look at that cynically of course but like as a kid that's that's what pulled me in and I got to believe time and time again That happens. And a lot of that does go back to Charles Lippincott saying, hey, I got a different way to promote
3: this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I also just wanted to be sure to shout out since we're talking to Charles Lippincott, uh, there's a a marketing executive from Fox at the time named Ashley Boone, who who went on to have a a successful career and then uh, some not great stuff as well. Uh, there is a great article about him on Hollywood Reporter. If you Google Ashley Boone plus Hollywood Reporter, uh, you get a great article. But he's one of the people who kind of who, who worked, uh, who uh, made uh, what Lippincott did actually work. Um, mm-hmm. Here's a mm-hmm. quote from the article because he, he was actually working with Fox. His job was to pr- promote uh, Fox films. He's one of the people who believed in Star Wars early when he saw an early screening. Here's a, a quick quote. Uh, Quote from the article, L- Lucas and uh, Boone, Ashley Boone, argued for opening Star Wars a month earlier around Memorial Day on just a couple of screens in big cities, betting that it could attract young people who would spread word of mouth while they were still in school. John Creer, wow. then president of Exhibitor Relations, would recall... Ashley was an astute judge of pictures. He said Star Wars would do over two hundred million before anyone had seen the picture. So uh, the context of that is like normally a summer movie is June. In the the kind yeah. of the the stayed logic was, well, once the kids are out of school, they'll go see the movies. So I think this kind of one two punch of Boone going like, no, open it early and the kids will go back to school and they'll tell everybody about it and all the sci-fi fantasy fans that, that, you know, Lippincott and Mark Hamill are whipping up will be there on the first day too. And the word of mouth will be wildfire and we'll get the famous photos (laughs) Mm -hmm. that live Mm -hmm. on 40 plus years later of, you know, of, of Grauman's and people going, what in the world is this? I got to see that. Look at those lines. What is this? for a right. star war what's that and and ashley boone is a huge part of that as well
2: a hundred percent and and you talk about you know i remember go back to remember 2015 and the crazy idea that star wars was going to come out in december but it was like no let's change it what you're describing is the same thing for back then you tell me <laughs> gonna, the, uh, may what are you nuts what are you nuts and have someone like ashley uh boone uh to to support it there that's it's uh, a great story and yeah and it is uh A story not often told and connected with Star Wars, Mm -hmm. so it's something that's uh, important to dig into even more around these parts. I really appreciate you uh, uh, bringing him into that conversation, Joseph.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for uh, letting me go on a bit.
2: No, absolutely. All right, friends, we've done it. We've talked about Star Wars news, Star Wars history. We have done it all. We are going to get out of here for today. Uh, You can find us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We are on Instagram and YouTube as well. Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. Podcasts available on Acast, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn. Oh, so much more. Uh, Look and find us if you can rate and review and would like to do that. Uh, please do so. It helps the show. Merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash force center. You can support us directly at patreon.com slash force center. You can follow me at catnapsock or go to my website, catnapsok.com. Speaking of San Diego Comic-Con, not promoting the star Wars picture, but I will be <laughs> uh, in the area doing show uh, a show on July 21st, Mark Ellison, friends comedy show with American comedy company information on my website. Uh, before I uh, toss it over to you, Joseph will highlight again uh, the, uh, great gofundme that we are supporting here at force center called what choice star wars fans for abortion access it is on gofundme.com slash f slash what dash choice but if you find some tweets you even go to our uh, uh, twitter feed we put a link out as well you can join that cause if you want joseph where can they find you
3: yeah, you can find me Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshot, and you can check out my website, JosephScrimshot.com, for more comedy adventures uh, from the past and coming up in the future. Uh, I was uh, actually doing some cleaning in my apartment and it reminded me, hey, I wrote a book (laughs) about 12 years ago. I was like, Hey, I should not 12 years ago, about 10 years ago. I actually was, it came out in 2012. I did a Kickstarter. It's called comedy of doom. It is a collection of, uh, of jokes and essays uh, and stories uh about just uh, pop culture and nerdy stuff uh i'm sure some of it is hilariously dated uh, at this point so uh, hopefully it's still funny and then also funny because it's dated so if you're interested in that you can find links on my website comedy of doom it's available all the normal kind of places books are available so i thought i'd highlight that and uh, then i also want to continue to highlight along with the wonderful gofundme Um, Vote Forward. It is a service that lets you write letters to other voters, encouraging them to use their power. I know I've promoted it a lot. There's been a lot of discussion this week that people are extremely understandably upset with uh, elected officials uh, not having a better plan, not having better communication. And I really hear And understand that frustration. But I also think it's important to not just stop at the frustration, but to keep fighting, as Star Wars tells us, to keep uh, pushing for those uh, little victories, you know. And if I write Mm -hmm. 200 letters and one more person votes who didn't in a crucial place, that is a a victory that matters for me. So that's why I do it. If you're interested in checking it out, you can go to their website at VoteFWD.com.
2: Great stuff! Great stuff! I love it and support that as well. That's it for this week on uh, the Star Wars News Show that we got going here. We'll see you around, my friends. This was Forsaken.